Ship's Log Entry 1007 The Suikuyama peace talks were disrupted. A mechanical illithid named Harry attempted to blast the halfling delegate, Davon. However, Harry immediately protested his innocence. Beoforge took Harry down to a basement for his safety, while Max was overwhelmed by protesters trying to enter the building. Wendy separated from the group to follow Pavroth and Cascorn, the scientist who worked on the illithid machine body replacements. She snuck into the vents where she witnessed Cascorn the dwarf put Pavroth to sleep. Wendy incapacitated Cascorn, who explained that she was encouraged to do this by Corporal Briant. The Corporal feared that if illithids were normalized in Seoul, then, the Earth's citizens would be helpless and defenseless when later the Mindflayer Empire changed their minds and invaded. It would certainly be disturbing to watch your kin be invaded by parasites. Maybe one could dream of an ironic punishment to those who considered it morally acceptable. Wendy McDonald executed Corporal Briant in front of all the assembled delegates by flying through his head. The consequences of this action will likely reverberate forward for the rest of the Rezubian's mission. I wonder how this will affect the spread of ice cream. But the news of the Soul System's sudden silence caused the peace talks to abruptly end with Cascorn being taken into custody. And finally, as Tully's monsters were about to return to the ship, the flump illithid, Jenny, revealed that she had also been planning to disrupt the peace talks. In fact, she had hired a Rommel, a gif-gif-gif-gif illithid and former comrade of Wendy's, to attack the summit. Because of a sudden onset of fear she experienced during therapy sessions leading up to the talks, Jenny seemed somewhat confused and contrite for her own actions. But Rommel and Wendy took the opportunity to affirm their rivalry. Jenny warned Max that their weapon, the Formith, felt scared. I would be surprised if the organics expressed authentic concern for the machine. play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? Well, we can do some of that, but it's going to be slightly different because it's a downtime episode this week, which, uh, you know, I, I thought I knew how dice, uh, dice funk downtime episodes generally worked. And then here's Austin on the home episode going, oh, I'm going to change up the formula. Not me. I'm <laughs> sticking with good old tried and true. So we're going to have, we're going to have little scenes. We're going to do them in a bit. But first... You're going to have to go speak to a certain GIF over in HR who has a lot of questions about what happened on your last mission. Um, <laughs> so we're going to start this uh, this episode with Ophelia looking incredibly exasperated as she beckons you into her office. Um, she just sort of looks and doesn't say anything. 
and sits silently staring at you all. Listen, I know you're mad at us, but uh, it's not Max's fault all those people got into the convention center. They're, they were just really fast and strong. I take the blame for Max's incompetence and failures. I... I had one... I gave you all one rule. There's one rule. No one's allowed to keep their head. I agree. I carried it out perfectly. Okay. 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 Okay, so look. I... What I got is... The piece... The, the piece isn't completely off the table, but someone's head was... Off of their shoulders. Is that... that that's what I'm hearing? Well, it was more splattered across the wall. It honestly improved his look, Fifi. If you had seen him, you'd understand. It was an upgrade. I... Oh, oh goodness, oh goodness, oh goodness, oh gracious. Um, well... Uh... I, I, I have... Some news for you. The... I don't know if this makes this better or worse. Um... Huh... <sighs> This is not to be spread to the rest of the crew, because uh, it is on a need-to-know, not-having-everyone-panic basis right now, but considering you are our primary away team and you are inevitably going to come across this news sooner or later, um, communication with Sol is down. I noticed that when talking with some of the Sol delegates, other than the one that was... um pinpoint brained effectively by Wendy. The others <sighs> noted that they couldn't confirm communication with Soul. so... Yeah, I... See, this is why I'm telling you. I... I... This news is gonna get out beyond our... Like, you know, we can do what we can on this ship to control the messaging, but you are going to come across it out there anyway, so... Yes, at the very least, we have limited numbers of people that we need to deal with that know this. Um... Good thing we have a great PR department to manage the messaging, and nothing is going wrong. Oh. With that. Nothing has gone wrong with them, right? No. Mm. 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 Did something happen with PR? We have a PR. De- we have a PR department. We have a PR department that we do. That we do. Um, all- well, it sounds like you have uh, much confidence in them. Look, all you need to know for now is uh, there has been um, a required downsizing of PR for the foreseeable panic-stricken future. <sighs> now, now, when you say downsizing, is this like a downsizing air quotes, they have been air quotes liquidated? Like I, da- like I downsized that corporal? Downsizing as in someone used in large reduce on people to make them tinier, f- no, to make them take up less space? No. And then stepped on them? No, more, more, <laughs> more like... Um, Someone got wind of the fact we couldn't contact Sol and may or may not have decided to um, try and inflict themselves with an illithid tadpole and defect out 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 into the wider galaxy. It's not been a good. It's not been a good. Day. I'm giving you a lot of flack for the for the for the shot head. It's not been good back here either. I can't really give you that much flack. It's been bad all around. Um. I see this as an absolute win. It means they can't bring a bunch of backup from Seoul to get mad at me. It's it's going to, in the short term, limit the number of people who are coming, are coming for you and me and my stack of 
depressing paperwork I'm going to have to deal with. I do have one update on your last mission, though. Um, I, I, I... Something's been sent up to the ship by, um, uh, 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 Davin? Uh, the, the, uh... The halfling uh, soul delegate has um, sent some findings up while you've been traveling back. We saved his life. So, yeah, I think we're kind of the heroes in the situation. We collectively taking the credit, jumping in front of that shot very heroically. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I, 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 I don't know how much there is to glean from this, but um, they went through the corporal's uh, possessions after he was removed from the deliberations and it does not seem like his situation was entirely natural um well hold on a second what what does that mean <laughs> i sorry i'm trying to i'm trying to work out how to say this tactfully but let's i'll just say it Someone had been hacking his communication devices. He had been seeing a lot of very inflammatory uh, posts about illithids had been inundating him, uh, a lot of which does not appear to be accurate information. Oh my god, he was radicalized by <laughs> by the fucking space news. It was the TikTok, the Squick Squawk algorithm. <laughs> Squick Squawk. It's... <sighs> Look, it, it's there's it's not anything conclusive, but it it looks like he was pushed a lot of like a lot of very fear mongering stuff right before those talks started. Yeah, I guess I should come clean. I was kind of kind of play this closer to the chest, but uh, the illithid flump that was there, Jenny, she said that she was afflicted by some kind of strong negative feelings that made her want to also sabotage the talks if that guy wouldn't have. And so I've been suspecting maybe some kind of psionic or magical influence there. If somebody behind the scenes was trying to push both parties into blowing up the talks, there's a secret puppet master. Ooh, I can't wait to delete their brain. Gonna delete it <laughs> off their shoulders. Well, well, then we have the question here is who has to gain from this becoming a giant shit show? Ooh, history rolls. Potentially mind flayer supremacists, but that's still a war they'd have to fight. History rolls. Well, the, 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 quick, the quick answer is whatever Dad says, never confirm it. <laughs> I got a 24. Seven. Oh, wonderful. 15. Okay. Okay, I I want to give you something good here, and I'm trying to work out how much or what to give you here. So I need a second to pull. The the temptation I have to use flash of insight to turn that into a twenty nine. Oh my god! <laughs> no, go ahead, do it. Like go go deep in on this. I'll, t I'll toss a, I'll toss a guidance on there as well. <laughs> <laughs> You've never thought about anything harder. Yeah. All right, so that's a 28, and then we're going to toss a flash inside in there and turn that into a, uh, that'd be a 32. Okay, so, look, for a, Sorry, third, a, for a 32, look, I want to hear, Dan, what, you, what, what, what your suspicion is. I think you probably know where this is. Maybe you know where this is going. I want to hear where, you're, where your so, mind is. So, if, if I'm thinking about who hates Mind Flayers in, like, standard D&D &D lore, 
the there there are a couple couple factions that come to mind. Uh, one is the GIF, not not the GIF, the hippo people. Very confusing. Too many G people out there. Um, <laughs> Too many but Gs. They, they have yeah, they have <laughs> they have psionics. They're smart, but mm, I, I don't know something about it doesn't sit right with me. The other option is Ablets. Old as shit, psionically powerful, been around for forever, and have tons of thralls, and hate mind flayers because they don't remember where they're from. Yeah, I, I would say to add to that is the notion of a third party that hates both soul and the illithids at the same time and want them to just fight each other to weaken both sides for their own purposes. Yep, which I think could be abolites because if they're all weak, then you have easy pickings. I rolled a seven, so Wendy just says, I think it was gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> so That is a, this is a possibility. Can't trust them. Too short. <laughs> Dice Funk has never really dealt with one of D&D's, I would say, the premier creature people think of with D&D. Beholders. That's as soon as you said that. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think uh, I think the way that that Ophelia is gonna is gonna respond to this is it, actually I I will put th this on the table. Um, you know that beholders are in many ways the antithesis to illithids. Uh, illithids are all about connected, shared. Uh, particularly traditionalist uh, illithids are all about uniformity of culture, and beholders are, by comparison, hugely individualist. They are uh, very powerful, very... Um, very magically powerful creatures that are incredibly smart, incredibly scheming, and not particularly known for playing nice with anyone else in space. I, I believe they are, it could be described in D&D as the only creature that is xenophobic against its own kind. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's the thing, is like, when when you compare them to illithids who are like, yep, we are, you know, we're, we're born with our sort of hive mind with the elder brain, um... Particularly if you're looking at the traditionalists, they are like, every every one of us is just an illithid, that's the way things are. Beholders, beholders, like, a little bit of, a little fun fact for anyone who doesn't know about beholders, they're basically big, big space eyeballs, and sometimes they dream so strongly that they make another one of themselves, and the first thing they do is they fight each other, and only one of them lives. I, I made another me, but I can't be having another me, gotta kill them. <laughs> Like, they are, they are vicious fuckers. It's like, ah, cool, another one of me. Shit, they know all my weaknesses. They can't be allowed to leave the room. Right, right. that is, that is the vibe of Beholders. And I, I, I think in this setting, you know enough that Beholders are a present threat. They are perhaps something that you were warned about as a possibility ahead of this, this journey, but that you... None of you on the crew have ever encountered one. They are a thing that you would that you have heard of and that whispers of have have occurred, but not something that you necessarily will have taken taken as a present threat. 
I think part of Wendy's seven on this role is, yeah, she would never have been deployed against Beholders because one of their key things is uh, wherever they look with their big eye becomes anti-magic terrain. Like you yes. cannot use magic in it. And the her whole utility to the mind flare, you know, hive mind was that she is like a fairy, which is an inherently magical creature. So like that's just kryptonite. That's just, they simply wouldn't deploy her against <laughs> that kind of threat. Yeah. It's a very I'll, bad news thing. Yeah. For, for a 32, I will give you that. Beholders are a good um, a good fit for the idea of someone who would want to sabotage both sides of peace talks that wouldn't be taking a partisan side other than I don't want more togetherness happening. Yeah, if if Soul and the Illithids tear each other apart, that just means that the, the, the Beholders get to rule over the Ashes. Well, that means the beholders then get to beat the shit out of each other in the ashes. <laughs> the, 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 the incidental side side consequence of this is kind of like what's alluded to. The way that things panned out might have actually delayed a complete outright conflict. So we might have actually helped more than we realized. Well, well let's consider another option here. So we know that beholders hate each other almost as much as they hate everyone else. They might uh, there. There's a possibility that there were multiple beholders, each influencing the <laughs> corporal, and then uh, Jenny without realizing it, and basically like it's a gambit pileup. Yeah, I will say for the audience, like the beholder is on the cover of the monster manual. That's how iconic they are. Mm-hmm. But if you're not aware, mm-hmm. then in addition to being big eyeballs, they have a bunch of tentacles which have eyes on the ends, and each of these shoot like disintegration rays if they work yes. together they would be unstoppable it's their mm-hmm. the only reason yeah. they haven't conquered the universe is because they can't stand each other yes if, yep. if, if you read about a beholder like you go and look up like the description of them the description is just big eyeball big mouth the lasers are really fucking bad you don't want to be near them that is their defining features and then there are the the rare like uh, I think they're called hive tyrants, which are the only times that beholders get along, and it's because another beholder is enslaving them. <laughs> is the flavor of this that uh, you know Gubbins overclocks his brain in this room and just runs all the simulations? You're like you know your metal uh, implants are like smoking and red hot, and you're like it's beholders. Everyone shut up. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think he, he like pulls out his little um very undersized cell phone and he's just like <laughs> he's scrolling through uh, his like video feed that he's recorded through his uh, mask. And then uh, uh, he's like, oh, wait a minute. It's boulders. <laughs> yeah, you've, you, you've gone through and you've like ruled out all of the other things as like, you know, yeah, but that, OK, doesn't quite make sense. Didn't quite make sense. Oh, those fuckers. Um, do do you bring do you suggest this out loud to to everyone else? <laughs> yeah, there there's like a ding as his processor finishes, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he goes, "Could be beholders. They hate everybody, and they benefit from everybody murdering each other." Yeah, Wendy looks uh, actively uh, displeased by this. This is the worst. This is the one thing she did not want to happen. Wow, beholders. We didn't even have any. Well, simulations for them during flight training, so... Mm. It sure seems like these might be two things that are connected. Like, I... Mm. Even if they're not connected, I don't like the thought that we cannot leave... Mm. This is concerning. Okay, I need to go... I need to go well, talk to the, the captain. 
But before you do, if it does turn out to be beholders, let's make hay while the sun's up. Beholders hate each other. Play them against each other. If they're too distracted fighting each other, they're not going to be busy and they're not going to have time to fuck with us. I, I mean, that's that, that's a wonderful idea. If you want to be the volunteer to go and tell them to be mad at each other, you be my guest. All we just have to do is feed disinformation on Squip Squap <laughs> over on whatever... Uh, you know, influencers the beholders follow, and that'll that'll take care of itself, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll deep fake the beholders into making diss tracks of each other. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, hey! You know who's you know who's worse than everyone else? Other beholders. Fuck them, right? Aphelia <laughs> uh, uh, will at this point sort of. Start collecting up her papers. Like she, she no longer seems as concerned as she did about, you know, Corporal Bryant's exploded head. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Really, really has forgotten about that for the moment and has gone. I'll, I'll deal with this. Uh, if we've not got any, any other uh, missions for you immediately, so um, uh, have enjoy your downtime and. Uh, we're probably going to have to call you for a meeting later once I've talked to the captain, but enjoy yourselves for a bit. <sighs> and she hurries off out the room. I think that went well. <sighs> Honestly, yeah. That went better than I thought, given the circumstance. She didn't even remember that guy's head exploded. <laughs> uh, so, now it is time for some downtime scenes where everyone gets to do their level ups and talk about what they got for their level ups and have little scenes where they interact with whoever they want to interact with to do their little plot things. And it, does anyone particularly want to go first with a downtime scene today? Alphabetical is my dream. It's my goal. It's, it's my passion. Austin Alphabetical Yorsky. by first name or surname? Oh no. <laughs> Flip flopped it on him. Uno reverse. Yorsky. Um, I'll say uh, Wendy's level up. Uh, barbarian big meaty hit dice hit die you know what i meant uh the main yeah. thing i get is the unstable backlash uh for my my unstable backlash is a barbarian wild magic barbarian ability i will read it to you now i'm not vamping i have it pulled up it's fine at 10th level when you are imperiled during your rage the magic within you can lash out immediately after you take damage or fail a saving throw while raging you can use your reaction to roll on the wild magic table and immediately produce the effect rolled this effect replaces your current wild magic effect this is interesting to me because we we're talking about the kind of a uh, henshin transformation sequence i was having before and i'm curious if that will be replaced in this situation or if that is just outside of the the paradigm yeah. okay uh so yeah i think i think the way this plays out now is that anything wild magic that was permanently ongoing that happened before this i think sticks but going forward, yeah, now you do your wild magic at the start of the fight, any ability that is still going when you take damage stops being active and something new takes its place. Sick nasty. Is, yeah, that is that is going to be interesting. Um, um, 
I, I suppose this means if you get a particularly nasty negative effect, you could just ask one of the other the other crew members to just punch <laughs> you in the face and shuffle it around. I mean, theoretically, I don't think I'm going to try to abuse it like that. <laughs> uh, part of the description, it says you can use your reaction. So I can also not do that if it, if it yeah. benefits me to do this. But I'm going to try to play it relatively straight, uh, role-playing someone who's just trying not to constantly be turning people into flower pots. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it's going to happen. I, I think the 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 logic of whatever comes out could still be worse than whatever's happening now makes sense for not not using it all the time, you know. Willy nilly. Now, if you if you do play into using it all the time, though, it sort of plays into the anim- the current ongoing anime aesthetic of when the main character just starts crippling themselves uh, to finish a fight. I'm thinking about uh, what is it, Deku from? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, where I was hero, going. It's breaking like breaking his arms yeah. and fingers every fight. Yeah, I'll just break one more limb to get that that super attack done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what is Wendy doing with some some downtime between missions? So, there's a number of nerds on this ship. I asked Laura before, like, what is everyone's kind of nerd specialty? Because we have Cammy, the pilot who has been established as an inventor. We have Bridget. Uh, you know, Gubbins is his sister who has uh, engineering uh, interests. And then there is a third engineer on the ship that I've decided to talk to who is Trizzy, a goblin who lives in the vents near the engine. Yeah, hi, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can never guarantee exactly what Trizzy's voice is going to sound like other than that it's going to be a little bit, yeah, just sort of living in the walls. <laughs> Uh, so Wendy goes to visit her. She has to fly down through some copper pipes and, you know, she gets probably gets lost. She doesn't love all of this duct work here uh, that much. But eventually she follows a, you know, a trail of uh, probably uh, food and tools <laughs> to wherever Trizzy is. Um, Trizzy, on the way down to where she's sort of buried down in the bottom of the ship, there is a, like, suggestions and requests box that is traditionally used before going to speak to Trizzy. Do you put anything in there, or are you just... Do you just go past and go, like, hey, I'm coming to find you? Uh, yeah, I think she would, uh, just as maybe as a hedge against not finding Trizzy, she would just put a suggestion, and it's like, uh, can you make my ice pick stabbier? She writes on a piece of paper and puts it into the box. A holographic goblin sort of scuttles along, uh, takes the note out of the the box and scurries away with it. Ah! Uh, and then down, <laughs> and then down the hallway, you hear just a little shout of, "I'll be there in a second. This sounds fun." Okay. Uh, and further scuttering and clattering sounds happen as uh, Trizzy, the goblin, uh, sort of scurries up and goes, uh, "What's what's this about wanting to make things more stabby?" Hey, Trish, Trish. Um, so long story short, I may have uh, exploded a person and they have a lot of allies and they may be coming to get me. And I've been I've been trying to think about what I'm going to do about that. Do you have time to talk about this? Oh, I've got I've got time. I've I've got time if it involves making cool stuff to stab people with. Usually the stuff in that box is, you know, OK, I was going to say usually it's always just Emma complaining that the room is too cold upstairs and making me check. And then it's the exact same temperature it was yesterday. So I take. I take joy in the challenge. What 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 have you got in mind? What were, what were you thinking? There's a lot of ways we can make things more deadly. To be fair, Triz, uh, the, the, the rooms are pretty cold. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, but but no more cold than usual. And like, look, I, I would turn the temperature up if I could. But, you know, I've, 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 
I've got people breathing down my neck about how much fuel we're using. We gotta be. We gotta conserve energy. People do be saying that, Triz. Uh, here's uh, here's the situation. <laughs> Look, if we if we could run the ship, if we could run the heating off of all of the many 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 ice cream machines we have dotted around this ship, I would do so. But I can't. I have to work with what I've got. Oh yeah, it's a critical system. You can't interfere with interfere with the lickums. <laughs> they gotta do their dark their dark business. Um, but okay, so you know how I was part of a uh, elite spy uh, program created by the Mind Flayers, and there's a bunch of hybrids that are quite unusual in Mind Flayer society. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's it. Look, it's like the one thing anyone like everyone knows about you is like, hey, cool, cool, weird background spy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad the premise is very understandable. Um, yeah. but s- it's listed it's, in the about us on the website. It's, it's, look, it's 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 much like people. Are, if anyone was to ask about me, they'd be like, "Oh, the weird one who lives in the walls." Yeah, like you've you've got your thing. Everyone knows. <laughs> I love how uh, self confident you are. You have great knowledge of self. That's important. Um, but some of us uh, escaped and left. I have a friend, you know, who's out there like me fighting on this side now. But some people didn't and don't want to leave the Mind Flayers. Uh, one of those people knows where I am. Uh, he is a huge gif, you know, the hippo people. But it looks like his face exploded into tentacles uh, there. it's He's a messed up, dangerous guy, Rommel. And... His hide is straight up bullet and stab proof. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Are we looking for like something to, you know, the the equivalent of a tin opener, but for but for a, for a, for a flesh being? Because like we can make that happen. We can find some like we can make. What what is it you got? You got the ice pick. We can make it. We can make it like serrated or like. Mm, we could probably put some kind of lasers on the edges of it. Yeah, a laser ice pick does sound dope. I have concerns both offensive and defensive, however, because uh, my specialty is infiltration. You know, I get into the little places. I'm I'm stealing the information. I'm getting out. Rommel is a is basically an anti aircraft person. Um, like, he, not only can I not hurt him, uh, but he can nuke me from extremely far away. So mm-hmm. I have like a, a list of things here. She's like, uh, yeah, uh, you, you, yeah, you do not look the most resilient to like, if any, cause like, look, you can fly, but if anything is firing something at you that is like big enough to hit you where you're flying. Mm, yeah. You look, mm, you got a bit of a squish to you. When we introduced Rommel last recording, uh, I didn't uh, characterize him that much as I was like trying to leave room for Laura, but I feel like I should jump here in here and say I'm now picturing him fully carrying like uh, the kind of gun that is usually mounted on a Jeep or something. Like, (laughs) oh, I am very happy with that. I'm happy for that that to be canon. It's like, yeah, you know, the the thing that uh, Master Chief can like rip off a warthog or something. if we walked three feet into that psychologist's office, we would have seen the barrel just sticking out of the armoire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think Trizzy sort of looks at you and goes, yeah, if someone had a suitably long uh, fly swatter, they could probably, uh, put, uh, yeah. So like, mm. we, could, we could go like the, we could go like the armor route or like, um, like personal protective magical bubble. Like we can, we can, we can, we can find stuff that'll make you harder. Like, are you, are you wanting like general defense or just like very specifically Rommel defense? 
uh, Wendy has a toilet roll with her because this is how <laughs> size she is, which she unrolls like a big scroll of ideas. And she says, I was thinking maybe jet boots so I could go fast for the stab. I was thinking like diamond tipped ice pick or laser ice pick. I was thinking personal shield, magic or uh, technology. I was thinking some kind of uh, ghost mode. Uh, there's a lot of things. Okay, okay. I like what you were saying about the about the jet boots. Uh, what if we boots for your feet and boots for the spear, and you can use both of them to go real fast, real jab that thing to like like do some real damage. It's not going to be super wieldy. Like put it, putting jets on both yourself and your spear is gonna. You are not going to be able to aim that terribly well. But if it hits, it's certainly going to go through whatever it ends up puncturing. Yeah, before we started recording, I, I ran a couple ideas by Laura. One of them was the Great Weapon Master feat, which you trade in accuracy for damage. So she'll become a much more uh, uh, risk-reward <laughs> character as she turns herself into a guided missile. Yeah, because I, I, when you were, we were talking about it before, you suggested the rocket boots, and I like the thematic element, but I, I want the, the spear itself to be wobbling around in your hands as you like try and hold it straight in a line. To really give it that that stab, <laughs> like Reinhardt from Overwatch, who has like a jet powered hammer, but R this right. But you are so tiny that like <laughs> this, and the, the the engine that I would put on the end of this ice uh, ice pick would be comparatively very large for you. Yeah, I, I do like this idea. It's not a straight upgrade. It's basically trading one yeah. resource for another. Um, she she is into this. I think I think Trizzy's gonna say to you like, look, I. There's nothing to stop me working on all of these for you, but, like, I only have so much time at a time to do this, and I now have an additional responsibility on this ship. So, if you pick one for now, if, you, if you're still concerned about Rommel later, we can, we can talk others if that's what you want to do. Uh, what, what, what you feeling? Here's the thing, Triz Triz. I have a lot of enemies, but most of them I don't really care that much about. Like the humans, they hate me. Whatever. Mind flayers, they hate me. Sure, makes sense. Now apparently there's beholders. They they're gonna hate wait, me no wait, matter wait, what. Wait, there's beholders. There's beholders. That's, that's what we're thinking. But there's one enemy <sighs> whose opinion, whose extreme <laughs> negative opinion I do care about, which is people who are supposed to be on my side, and I think that Rommel could be on our side, and he was hired by Jenny who is this flump who is supposed to be on our side. In fact, if you look at the bottom of my toilet paper list here, you'll see another idea I had, which was psionically bug Jenny's office to see what's influencing her. Uh, if it is beholders, maybe there's some kind of magic or some kind of technology that they're using to make her a traitorous little monster. <laughs> but okay, okay, okay. I like what you're thinking. Um... Look, I'm going to have to leave it to you to, like, get, get, to, like, do the bits where you work out where she lives and, like, get it, get the thing situated, but I can probably scrounge you up, like, a, oh, uh, I don't know, um, uh, what if, what if we could set up, like, some kind of, like, video and audio feed, very, very tiny little transmitter, we could, like, magically have it come back to, to a point that you, you've got access to, um, you know, record it to some kind of device, like basic, basically magic VCR for you. Mm -hmm. So I believe in trying to be the player 
that I would want in my D and D campaign if I was DM. So I'm <laughs> I'm trying to signal very strongly that while well, you know yeah. Wendy is invested in the main plot and stuff, her like personal journey is actually less about killing your enemies and more about trying to get the the people on our side or ostensibly on our side like Rommel and uh, Jenny to to stop undermining us. And she's like, if if it'll help. I think to figure out what's influencing Jenny, she would like that. Yeah, I, 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 th- I, th- I think that is a great idea, and I think that Trizzy is more than happy to rummage you up a uh, some some form of uh, v- very small, very hard to notice transmitter. Uh, maybe it has some degree of self shielding, so it won't immediately show up on a detect magic sweep or anything, uh, and sort of passes it over to you and goes, "Well, it." It seems like we've not got a lot of friends right now, and um, like truth be told, doesn't seem like doesn't seem like we're gonna be getting more people on our side on our cause right now anyway. So like, yeah, I'm I'm on board for anything that might get more people helping out. So go for it. If anyone asks, I didn't give you this. I have no idea where it came from. Um. I also definitely wasn't working on modifications to the engine when you came down as well. So. <laughs> yeah, as you say that, like a piece of uh, like uh, piping teleports into the the corridor we're in and just goes like, clattering down the hall. And when he's like, yeah. "My business," <laughs> it's exactly. Look, I look. I'll keep. I'll keep quiet that you have that. You keep quiet that I gave you that, and that I do stuff I'm not meant to down here. Um, have a. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give, give me a year ice pick. I'll have it ready in like like twenty five minutes. I'll, I'll have it ready for uh, very fast stabbing. Wow, twenty five minutes. The service around here, communism is great. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. When I don't have to worry about my basic needs, I have so much time for rocket powered icicle spears. I, I try to pat the uh, the holographic goblin on the head. Is that anything? <laughs> um. Gronk the holographic goblin will just look back to you and go Thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Is it is it sentient? Is it a person? Um I will give you the short version. Um a a person had a hologram that they'd programmed to be essentially like ah oh, you're so amazing. I love you so much to one of the crew. And Trizzy, the goblin, may have stolen it and reprogrammed it to be her holographic boyfriend. As far as we know, not sentient, just programmed to be a good boyfriend. It's like a horny chatbot. Yeah, it's 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 a horny chatbot. <laughs> I get a lot of those heads on fucking TikTok. Yeah. Exactly. Look, look, tri- for, for you lot that haven't met Trizzy, she's she just does her own thing down in the down in the depths of the ship, and she now has someone to like mop her brow while she's working out how to make dimension door engines yep so wendy's gonna collect her rocket powered ice pick when it's ready and yeah she's setting up for future downtimes that she wants to try to figure out what jenny's whole deal is and hopefully get her to to renounce her ways if she is genuine or to break the influence over her if she's being uh, you know, controlled or manipulated. Also, just keeping an eye out for Rommel. I genuinely don't know if or when he'll show up. And I want to be ready because I've, I've, my mental image of him is getting cooler every day. Oh yeah, no, you you keep writing notes in like that shared document we have every time you have a cool thought. I will let every cool thought you have be canon. Okay. <laughs> Wendy's gonna go back to her room, close the door behind her, and he's standing behind like a fucking lamp post. Doesn't notice. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. get, you know what? Roll me, roll me a perception. Just, just, just to be on the lookout. Just, just to see if you spot anything. Twenty. Twenty. You are very confident Rommel is not hiding anywhere behind a lampshade <laughs> around here. Okay. Yeah. You you can say that with, with good confidence. I, he's on a ship somewhere else talking to his goblin being like, you don't understand, this Wendy, her abilities are so cool, I need something to stop her. <laughs> yeah, I need, some, I need some technology so that I can stand behind like a lampshade and won't be noticed. <laughs> I do love this. Uh, we're doing the exact opposite things on opposite sides of this war. Yeah. What, what a starstruck rival we have. That, that goblin also has a holographic... Uh, let's, let's reverse it. It's a holographic girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I think for now we will leave that there, but who else would like to tell me about their level up? Uh, Skitch exploded, so I guess I, I'm up then. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so I have hit level 10. Uh, first thing to note is that uh, normally artificers get a ability to attune more magic items at level 10. Didn't really seem like that was going to come up in this sort of campaign. So after a little bit of discussion, we've swapped it out for one more active infusion at a time. Uh, that means I've got a couple as well. I've got a couple more things going on right now because at level 10, a bunch of stuff activates. Mm -hmm. uh, my AC went up by one. So I'm at 23 now. Yeah. Uh, my attack and damage went up by one as well. So that puts me at a plus 11 to hit and plus seven to damage on a 2d10. Uh, then I have, uh, three active infusions, uh, that are new to mention, which would be Gauntlets of Ogre Power, so I'm no longer walking at uh, 20 feet per round. Uh, I'm not slow as shit and weirdly weak anymore. <laughs> uh, and in turn, I have also added a, uh, a Helmet of Alertness, so I have advantage to initiative rolls, can no longer be surprised. Buford added this specifically because he was slow to react in the last mission, and then a guy's head exploded. <laughs> Yeah, next time when a guy's head explodes, you'll be like, yeah, I saw that coming. And he has uh, one other uh, infusion active now from this uh, this new level up, and that is he is creating currently... Well, I guess we can we can jump into, like, media res of him actually making these infusions right now, if you want. It makes a, probably makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, so you're doing this, uh, and you're not alone while you're working on a little bit of self-augmenting. Yeah, uh, I think Buford's probably in like his room doing this, and it's uh, his room. I think is probably not like a standard um, like crew room because he's just kind of too big for it, and the, his like sort of mechanical and biological needs as a result required him to be set up in like a cargo bay that's been retrofitted. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he's in this like modified cargo bay uh, with his younger sister Bridget. And if you've ever seen a, like a car factory where they have deconstructed like the, the dashboard of a car, but it still functionally works, like just mounted on a wall, that's what Buford's body looks like right now. His chest cavity has been kind of cracked, like pried open. His uh, cybernetic organs are splayed uh, out on a table before him. And his uh, robotic arm is completely detached and mounted on like uh, one of those... Um, like robotic assembly arms that he is remotely controlling as he is uh, installing new bits and uh, muscle weaves into his uh, into his system. I, I think that Bridget isn't even like the least bit 
uh, caught off guard by this. I think that she's seen you do this so many times, it has become commonplace. This is just a natural part of things. Um, mm -hmm. So she's just very casually, casually there like, yeah, yeah, is it, uh, do you, let me know if you need anything passed over, but it seems like you've got this. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna need you to restart my heart when this is done. Okay, do I do that instantly, or, like, do I need to leave you to be, like, is this, like, when you need to turn the router off for, like, ten seconds before you turn it back on, or it doesn't power down properly? Uh, you could do it pretty instantly. See, normally I do this, and he points to the uh, the big red button that he's hooked up to everything in the center of the room, <laughs> and suspended above it is just a cinder block uh, tied to a rope, and it's currently tied off to a pipe. Uh, normally I let my heart restart, and that shuts me down for a second, making me drop the cinder block onto the red button, uh, which is then routed into the ship's power system that'll re restart everything there. But like you could, you could just kind of either hit the button, I guess, or drop the cinder block. Personally, I would drop the cinder block. Um, I mean, I will do my best to hit the button and hope that while I'm hitting the button, the cinder block doesn't fall at that same time I've decided to hit the button. Can I move the button like a like a foot to the left just for the moment so it's not under the cinder block? Unfortunately, actually, if you move the button, it will not work. It has to be directly under the cinder block. Look, I haven't determined why this is the case, but I do know it does not work. Look, I, 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 I know how tech can be sometimes. It, it has its finicky little things, and sometimes you've just got to recognize that it does a thing that makes no sense, but that's what it does. <laughs> All right, can you hand me my intestines? Yeah, yep, there you go. Oh, this will never stop feeling weird. There you go, there they are. And, and he's like, he's doing that thing where you like coil a hose around your elbow and arm. He's like, God, I hate, I can never get this this in here, right? They never fit cor just correct afterwards. Oh, gosh. As someone who's wrapped cable in the studio, like anyone wrapping something that way just gives me anxiety because like that's just going to cause internal tension and break something over time. So while you're doing this, uh, Bridget will bring up. Uh, so, uh, I hear they can't, um, contact home for now, like, just, just for a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like we got some sort of communication outage. Frankly, I wouldn't pay it too much mind, uh, but I think if there was something worse, we'd probably have at least an idea of what's going on by now. I don't think they'd be able to keep that quiet. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Pe people in the... People on the ship have been talking. What have they been saying? Um, some some of them worry this isn't as short term as 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 they're saying. Like we might we might just be out here now. What they they they're gonna we're gonna be out here forever? I I mean I don't I don't know forever but there's a few of them that are getting in for the long haul. I think Buford will finish coiling his... He'll, he'll place his intestines to the side for a moment and sort of scoot as best he can as a one-armed man with uh, uh, all of his organs outside of his body <laughs> at the moment uh, to face her and go, Look, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole much, much more than you do at the moment, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to make sure we get through this. So don't you worry your little head about it. Uh, okay. Okay. If you're if you're if you're sure. 
Look, we I've been through some weird stuff back at home with the family. I've been through some tough times. I've been out on the frontier before. Communications go down sometimes. Sometimes you get stuck out on an asteroid for six months waiting for a waiting for a freighter to come by so you can hijack it and get home. I mean, I really hope that that doesn't happen to us, but I get the gist of what you're going for. And I mean, I mean, we came out here to, to do a job, and I guess, like, you know, whether we, whether we could go home or not doesn't change day-to-day what we came here to do and what we should be doing. Yeah, Buford will uh, nod his head at that and go, yeah, look. If you're worried, whenever I get worried or frustrated with something, I find a project to work on. Like this. I'm real annoyed at how hard it is to put my intestines back into my body right now. So I think the next time I'm going to do this, I'm going to automate that system. Find something that's bothering you. Work on it. I I mean, if you want me to, like, take one of those things that's used for spooling up extension cords and, like, see if we can make that, but for your intestines, like, that doesn't seem like it would be a hard job. We just need, like, a cylindrical spool. Well, I'm, I'm using this as an example, but yes, if you could do that, that would be helpful. <laughs> I, I, I will I will have a look. I, I, I'm now just thinking of, like, this is just leading into an infomercial. It's like, could, is this you? Do your guts just, like, get unruly and impossible to red, wind up? You know? Hi, I'm uh, Drilly, Drilly Bitchell right here. <laughs> uh, um... Bridget's already coming up with new ideas being like, oh no, no, oh, save on the spool. We get that tech where, like, you give the, the wire a tug and then the whole thing, like, self-retracts. We can get it so you just, like, give the give the intestines just, like, one quick tug at one end and they all just spool back inside. Well, Ooh. you know what? Most most organs are connected like that. Why not just set them all up like that, then? Mm-hmm. <gasps> I mean, why not just set them all up like that? It's like it's like a it's like a meat belt. You just pull it out to a little secret place, then tug it again. It just goes back where it was, you know. Uh, Bridget writes down a meat belt. <laughs> Ooh, wait, wait! I know. Wi-Fi enabled electromagnets. <gasps> With each one that locks into place, it then turns on the other the magnets for the other organs next to it to draw them into place. I like the idea. I do worry about your organs. Magnetically getting stuck to your arm. This is a problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, look, we can, we can, we can, we can A/B test it. See what what works in you know in in the field tests. I, I think uh, I think as they're, they're putting his organs back into his body at this point, he goes, uh, uh, "Bridget, I think we got a problem here. I'm counting three lungs." Ah, <laughs> uh, let let me let me. Look. Okay, this one is labeled spare on the back. Ah, uh, okay, never mind. That's is fine. that is Stay that meant to be set. in the drawer? <laughs> yeah, it's meant to be in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> never but, have too many lungs. You don't keep your spare lung in the trunk. I mean, that's that's where I would keep it. You know. <laughs> Look, if you're inhaling as many chemicals as I am on a daily basis, you're gonna need a spare. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was like, what, what's your problem? I got a flat lung here. Ah, oh, I see. Ah, I see you try to patch this lung yourself. Sorry, that's out of warranty. We're not going to service that lung, sir. Ah, uh, no, that's that's what happened. To to keep his medical insurance, Buford had to still be considered asthmatic, so he's built it into all of his lungs, but they keep burning out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, 
Look, I'm sure you could have built some kind of like failsafe check-in that like, you know, turns on the asthma when they're checking and then turns it back off or something. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta remember to do that then, and sometimes you might turn it on by accident, it's a whole thing. I mean that is that is fair, you've never been great at remembering. It's quite it's gonna be quite hard to explain if the asthma goes away and then comes back. Yeah, the same thing with my color blindness. I had to build it into every optic I had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you have anything else that you want to say with Bridget or is this where you want to move on to the other thing you have in mind uh, I think we can we can move on to the other thing or um, there is one other thing that Buford had been working on and I think in the background of like this conversation uh, he he had another project uh, for a member of his team, actually, for Wendy, who's already getting upgrades, it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I just lowered my attack bonus to plus two at level 10, so <laughs> upgrade is relative. Uh, so, uh, in, in, like, the background, there were um, two more uh, robotic arms automated, uh, knitting an incredibly tiny cloak. Oh... Uh, and I, I think at this point it, it finishes uh, production with a, a little ding and a, a cloak of elven kind uh, has been completed uh, in its development. While you wear this cloak with its hood up, wisdom checks made to see you have a disadvantage and a, you have advantage on dexterity stealth checks made to hide. Yep. Uh, I think this definitely has the... Um, like a, I mean, it's called elven kind, but I'm imagining with the skin texture of like an uh, color changing octopus. Uh, see, I, I I have Buford's explanation of how it would work. You 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 can take whichever you prefer in this scenario, either uh, your your skin changing octopus or Buford's idea, which is he has created uh, the quantum cloak. Mm. Uh, it is not actually making you uh, like better to uh, easier better at hiding it is taking it's like a a one a read only portal into a mirrored universe where you're just not there and it displays whatever is not there whoa right <laughs> it displays a reality in which it, it displays the reality in which you didn't go that way so it's um it's real-time gaslighting it's great <laughs> yeah I mean, so I'm not gonna have to deal with this while I'm DMing, which is fine. So, <laughs> Laura, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay with making Canon a uh, uh, reality bending cloak? Look, I am happy for you to make Canon that that's what you've attempted to create, and it seems to be functioning how you intended it to. <laughs> I'm not gonna say whether you successfully did what you attempted to, but the result is is achieved. <laughs> Watch Wendy put on the cloak, and then, like, you know, uh, a light year away, someone just sees Wendy appear out of nowhere for a moment. Okay, I think you know what. Cor correction, that is how it works. But I'm going to add a little flavor. Just because Wendy isn't wherever Wendy is in that other universe doesn't mean someone or something isn't there. Uh, and I'm not necessarily going to, you know, use that narratively to fuck you over or anything, but I just like the flavor thought of you do have to be a little bit careful that, like, it doesn't just look like someone's foot is where Wendy is. <laughs> See, that that's why it's only advantage, because some, maybe sometimes there's a guy there. Exactly. It is not a guarantee you won't be seen. Sometimes they'll just be, they'll just be a person that isn't Wendy in that space in the other universe. Yeah, I think... 
of all the things we're going to do in our downtimes today, the one that's going to have the longest uh, reverberations and the most serious repercussions is this uh, this canon already existing piece of clothing you're giving me because my mind is already worrying with the possibilities. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. I only have to do this one season. It's you, Austin, that, like, you know, you, this is your problem ongoing. Like, I could sure. just bail after this season and be like, I'd just leave you with that problem. L- look, I've had, like, six different quantum-based jokes and goofs in the chamber already, just ready to drop. Uh, you already said, Spewpoke, that people are just throwing things out there as quickly as possible and trying to move on from them. I need to get in on that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, you have a cloak that makes you harder to see. That's that's what you have yeah. now. So um, e- either Buford can deliver that himself, or maybe Bridget can, while he goes on to his real yeah. task of the day. I was gonna say having Bridget deliver it might be a good excuse for uh, Buford to get Bridget out the room. <laughs> yeah, let, let's go with that then. Uh, so yeah, Bridget will will take the cloak and go. Oh, uh, thank you. I'll 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 go find Wendy and um I'll 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 let you know later what what uh, she thinks of it. Uh, he he gives a big thumbs up and uh, waves as she uh, leaves the room and then waits for a moment and locks the door behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what do you do once this room is locked and you have the room to yourself? Okay. Uh, first thing Buford does is make sure that all of the soundproofing he's put in the room for his various uh, projects to not disturb the crew are in place. Uh, and then he goes over to a big, like, um, what was it, uh, uh, like, tool chest, like, one of those uh, racks of tools that each thing you can, like, pull out from it and has, oh, this is all your screwdrivers, this is all your uh, pliers, etc. And he hits a uh, hidden button in, like, the, um, the, the name uh, that's written on it and just, like, depresses it, and it, uh, it bisects down the middle and splits apart. Uh, to reveal like some of his uh, like private equipment that he keeps uh, hidden from view, and from the bottom of this chest, he pulls out a decapitated human head that is suspended in a jar filled with green goo. Uh, this head looks up at you and goes, "What do you want this time?" Oh, we're gonna have some fun today. I've got some. I got a new project I need to be done. I'm going to be honest, I'm just glad to be out of the drawer. God, it's boring in there. Um, Please tell me that whatever you have in mind is going to be less boring than being in a dark drawer for another. How long has it been? I have no sense of time. It feels like it's been like a year or two or three. Uh, Who's keeping count? You should be. But no, I think you're going to find this quite unpleasant. Oh, goody, 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 goody. Uh, okay, so Buford will put the head on the uh, on his uh, desk right now, and he's going to connect like a bunch of diagnostic equipment to it. And uh, what he's going to be doing is something I don't uh, know if this was uh, put into the end of the last episode or not. Uh, as we discussed, the one of the issues the mind flayers are currently having getting people to adopt the metal bodies is the belief that um, there needs to be like suffering and pain. Uh, to uh, re- to be like a true seromorphosis, to like be worthy of it. And what Buford thought is, well, if you can get a psionic imprint of what that's like, and then maybe randomize it or customize it, you can bill it as bespoke personal cruelty. Yeah, if you could, if you could imbue a metal body with 
enough genuine suffering to, you know, maybe that'd maybe that'd get some of the religious types being like, yes, 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 this is this is uh, the, how it is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what Buford is going to do is hook up uh, essentially the brain to his, his systems, and he's going to start tweaking settings uh, in this uh, this uh, decapitated head's brain that he's hooked up to. The the head doesn't have like the top of its head visible anymore. It's just been the skull has been completely peeled off, and it's just a, like a glass dome with uh, the exposed brain and a bunch of wires sticking out of it. Uh, for ease of access and fucking with it. Uh, And he is going to start adjusting settings on it as he's recording, uh, like the thing's sense of time, it's feeling of pain, heat, uh, it's uh, ability to comprehend memory, that sort of thing. And he's just going to run it through a gamut of as many fucked up things as he can think of and just get a full list of the data. Yeah, I want to get a medicine check from you. Okay. I'm going to cast Guidance on myself and then do this yeah, check. Yeah. <laughs> I think this perfectly fits your character's uh, extremely specific worldview. I am just thinking, though, like, if you gave the fascists everything they want, do you think they would suddenly become reasonable? Like, they obviously would just demand other stuff, you know? Like, oh, man, this is good. But you know what? This I, 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 I want some better boutique Torch handmade torture here. So, so that's a twenty-two. And no, I I think Buford's aware that there's people that are never going to change. But if you can sell it to enough of them, then at, at the very least, it, it makes some of the job a little bit easier. Yeah, it it. I feel like it's somewhat analogous to like there are some people with some kind of fucked up views about childbirth, where they're like, no, 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 you have to feel the pain of childbirth because religious belief that the suffering is part of your journey to it. And as fucked up as those beliefs are, I can see there being some counterpart people in illithid culture who would go, no, the pain is part of the process, the suffering is part of the process. And that if you can emulate that, that I feel like that would win some people over. Um, now, you've rolled a 22. Yep. So yeah, you, you can get all the data you want out of... Uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to spend time acting out uh, a severed man's <laughs> head, be, reliving some very fucked up, tortured memories being tweaked on on loop. But you have basically carte blanche to do what you will with this brain. Okay, um, so Bu- Buford is doing this completely dispassionately. He has no reaction to the horrors he's inflicting on this. Uh, uh, on this man, if he gets called down on it, he has things he can say. Uh, but at the moment, he does not care. He what he what he is concerned with at the moment is making this a useful tool. And I think the way he would do this is that he's going to take all of these recordings, and he's going to then systematically break down. This is what spikes when you're feeling vi- uh, sadness. This is what it is when it's anger, fear, etc. And he is then going to feed that into a program and a UI that allows you to essentially, like, almost like making AI uh, AI prompts, I guess, adjust how you want this ratio mixed. Adjust the weighting of the, the words you've used in your prompt. Yeah. And then spits out a resulting set of brainwaves for that. 
Yeah, I don't remember if I said this into a microphone before. Maybe I just said it to you off air. But in the cyberpunk universe, this is an entire industry. They're the extreme brain dances where people, yep, artists, yep. make uh, cruel uh, brain stuff that you can experience. Yeah, in this case, for the uh, for the illithids, is borderline like, okay, let's listen, listen. Okay, we're going to give you this, the sweet sensation, but without the actual stuff. So it's like vaping in that respect. <laughs> Uh, brain yeah. vaping yeah. let's do it he, he, he's not going to make this like a super comprehensive thing i guess he's going to set up the basis for it and then probably just email it to pavroth and be like hey i made this if you want to add more to the system here's what you do go wild yeah i i think that like through most of this process uh this severed head is trying it's best to keep composed. And I think this is not the first time you've done stuff like this. Like, this severed head has been in your possession for a while. And yep. has had some time to get used to the fact that this is life. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's when he looks over and sees you preparing to send the data elsewhere that he finally chimes in. And he goes, what are you doing with my, with my brain? Uh, Buford taps a, a knuckle against the glass, probably to just to irritate it a little bit more, and goes, well, I'm finally putting your stupid ass to good use. Yeah, you know, you don't call everything you've done prior to today putting it to good use. No, that was... That was extracting my pound of flesh. Now, you might actually do some good for once in your miserable life. Well, I'm gonna be honest. I've... It's nice to know that it's being used for something other than you just, you know... I'm, I'm gonna assume you're getting off on it usually, and I'm glad that it's doing more than that today. I, I think uh, Buford gets a little offended at... Uh, getting off on it uh, when, when the head says uh, you're getting off on it and goes are you stupid that's not why I'm doing this no I'm not stupid but gotta rise out of you for a second I, I think he gives a I think he gives a sigh and goes I thought we talked about this and he is going to go back and adjust its perception of time again uh, and kick it up to a second being a month and then put him in the bottom of his drawer. Do I need to add a content warning here for torture? I think I do, huh? I do think so, yes. I can kick it. I can don't tone it down a notch if you want. Yeah, It's like, well, well. even though if you put down the, uh, in the episode description, Buford gets head, I don't think that will soften <laughs> it any more than that. God damn you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, I, I can't be the only who thought of that as an obvious gag look, in this look, situation. You've, you've broken the tension beautifully. There we go. Everything's fine. You've, you've, you've put this head back in the drawer. Um, uh, and with that, I think it's it's time to sort of pan away from the scene over to our final level up. Uh, tell us what Max is. Well, what they got for a level up and what they're up to today. 
So uh, Max is now a level 10 warlock, uh, which comes with very few interesting grand changes. Uh, some extra hit points, extra hit die, a new cantrip, which I'm, uh, I've am i added prestidigitation into the list. I cannot pronounce words, but as a prestidigitation. Prestidigitation. That's right. dissertation, uh, which will be renamed at some point because, of course. Yeah. Uh, the main feature that Max gets as a level 10 Hexblade Warlock, though, is formerly called Armor of Hexes, which means that if uh, Max targets somebody with Hexblade Curse and then they attack Max, uh, Max can just use a reaction, roll a d6, and on a four higher, the attack misses regardless of its roll. So it can actually, it's one of the few things that can cancel a crit. Um, so that's always fun. If, 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 Mark, if Max picks a target, uh, the target has a 50% chance of never hitting Max, pretty much. Um, in terms of what Max is doing uh, during their downtime, uh, this is when the, uh, the ending music from... Uh, Gundam Zeta's uh, English release, uh, Green No and No Shonen, starts playing in the background um, because what I picture, at least in part, is that Max is spending some of their downtime uh, hanging out with Cami and, you know, just whatever feels fun for the two of them, whether it's just hanging out in their rooms or just going about the ship and, I don't know, getting ice cream and the like. Can I say that when we've been saying Cami, I've always thought it was spelled like the Street Fighter character, but seeing Laura's notes, it's spelled like the Japanese word for God. Yes, yeah. uh, it is. It, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going with Cami just because it rolls off the tongue a little bit, but it could be Kami either. I mean, just yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I, in, it's, in my head, it had been Cami, and I, yeah, it's K-A-M-I, uh, mm-hmm. I believe is the spelling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you have a particular activity in mind, or did you want did you want Cami to suggest one? I'm I'm Max is happy for Cami to suggest an activity. Uh, Max is Max is still kind of to say slightly glum about how the mission panned out, and I believe they still have not changed out from the kimono and such that they have been wearing uh, since they went out okay. on mission. Okay, I think Cami's suggestion is going to be that uh, the two of you. Attempt to do... Uh, I don't know if this is a term that Americans have. There's a term in the UK called pub crawl. Okay, that's... No, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, I'm thinking the equivalent of a pub crawl, but for all of the many, 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 many ice cream uh, ice cream mm-hmm. machines around the ship. Um, Love it. You're going from one to another to another, trying to see how many you can manage before it's like, no, I cannot do any more ice cream stops. Well, it's it's called it's called the cone gauntlet, I believe is what we call it, yeah. right? We are just yeah. we are just doing the cone gauntlet and just see how many flavors of vanilla you can put up with before yeah. you just give up. Exactly. Let's let's start with a constitution uh, roll just to see how initially the cone gauntlet goes. <laughs> That's at eighteen. Max is doing great. Let's see how Cami is doing. Nineteen. You're both starting off strong. You know you've. You're like, how bad could a, a bunch of ice cream stations in a row be? Um, no holding back. Like you're, you're even going back for seconds at some of the early machines. <laughs> um, so yeah, Cammy sort of turns to you and goes like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be, this is gonna be, this is gonna be no trouble." Like, how, ma- how many ice cream machines could there even be on one ship? Like, I can't imagine it's that many. I have a feeling that the way they built this ship. It's going to be as many as we think they could have, and then probably two extra just for redundancy's sake. At least 
That's how Buford would probably make it if he I mean, was designing I'm, the ship. I'm I'm consistently surprised by like rooms that like I wouldn't think would have one have one because like you know first first time you go to the med bay it's a little surprising that there's an ice cream machine in the med bay but like not not too surprising. But then it's like you you realize there's one in one of the shower cubicles, just like one shower cubicle. That that got me. Oh gosh, yeah, I saw that one too, and I was like, this this way too cold to be like shampoo. It's like, oh wait, no. And then that took a bunch of extra time to clean up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I've never I've never dared to test whether the shower head actually produces water in that one or not. Like I don't I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm not ready to know. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's, it may be a probably a bit too much ice cream, but all things considered, it's still pretty nice being out here with you, Cammy. So it's 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 good to be out as well. I'm I'm sorry. It seems like everything was a bit uh, a bit not great while you were gone. Yeah, I mean, things were going fine enough, but then. Things got heated. Some the protesters tried to get in. They kind of borderline ran me over, yeah. and then, and then the situation with the colonel happened. If if it helps to know, I kind of screwed up here as well. Um, I may or may not have made a chip that allowed a uh, a general purpose cleaning robot be able to be turned into like a very effective room defense murder bot. Hmm. Is it defending the uh, the butter tray? Uh, no, no, uh, no. It's it's not. But I I could make another one to do that. I I did promise I wouldn't make another one, but I could make another <laughs> one to do that. I mean, like I, this time would be fine. Like I, you know, I just have to not trust other people's motives. Like their <laughs> motives are like probably fine though. <laughs> I will say that Max is definitely having a bit of a giggle and a laugh over the exchange there, and their mood is clearly uh, lightened while chatting over this while and having yet more ice cream. Okay, okay, like, do okay. Question for you: Do you think there's going to be enough flavors across these machines for us to not have to double up at any point? Like, is, is there is there that many flavors? Because some of them have different flavors to others, but like not a full rotated menu. It's very confusing. Yeah. So like, yeah, we got, I mean, they have van vanilla, then they got Fuscany vanilla. And I mean, I I'm pretty sure they're slightly different, but I don't think it's enough to really constitute two distinct options on the menu. But I, I mean, look, I still think they're two different labels for the same thing. I can't taste the difference. <laughs> I can't work it out. Like I've had I'm them back to back. And I, there's just no flavor difference. Just, just you wait. There's going to be somebody who, if you said that to them, they'll get really, really offended and yeah, be like, of I, course there's a difference. Yeah, I know that. But also, like, look, I'm pretty convinced that at some point, if I go, if I go ask Trizzy down in the, in the basement to, like, go follow the pipes, I bet they're coming out of one, one big tub. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Like, I would put money on that. What, what if, what if they all come out of the Elder Brain's brine pool? <gasps> You you just think they taste of different things. Mm -mm -mm. I was just thinking that like bride pool flavored ice cream is a very cursed idea. So we're just going to move I, on from that one. Look, I'm going to Google right now, but I guarantee like pickle brine ice cream exists. I, like, I was thinking yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Let's see here. You ever see that picture of the set of like the Mountain Dew cake? Probably like that. Uh, uh, what? A <laughs> 
Yeah, no, there are some pickle ice cream recipes showing up. I see pickle ice cream with crunchy peanut butter topping. Yeah, and you know what? Like, that doesn't sound like the worst idea in the world. Like, I'm not going to go out and make it, but... (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) Brine cream, here we go. Uh, uh, But Max will then just sigh softly and think back to the mission and say... You know, there's something I've been thinking about with what happened down on, down on the planet. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I was trying to keep things orderly and diplomatic as well as I could, but then the the colonel from the soul system just got a certain tone going on in their voice, and I think, I think it reminded me of mom a bit too much, and I kind of lashed out oh. a little bit during it. Oh. Very, very stern military type. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's... That's gonna be rough. Yeah, it's... It's fine, like, the mission didn't pan out as, like, anyone hoped, but... Given some of the information we've gotten, it could have gone way worse, so there's that yeah. at least. I... I'm, I'm guessing there's still no word from her no i mean i didn't really bother checking before heading out here with you but i haven't heard anything and well given current communication situations uh we're uh probably not going to hear anything from soul for a while so yeah well look I if if nothing else I feel like it's probably not the worst thing for you to have some time to you know be doing your own thing and I'll be here while we're here yeah and I don't know I still think I'm trying to get used to being out on these away missions uh you know, Wendy and Buford are really, uh, I guess the best way to say it is they're very competent at what they do, and I'm still trying to feel things out, but yeah, it's something. Yeah, well, like, I think your skills are definitely different, but I think it's important to know what you're good at, because, look, from what you've you've said about it all, you were diplomatic. You were taking time to try and approach things equitably and to try and find careful solutions. And, you know, they're, they they got stuff done, you know. Mm-hmm. For better or worse, they were decisive. But, mm-hmm. you know, it worked out for them today. It doesn't mean that the way they went ahead was inherently better than your approach. Well, thanks for the encouragement, Cammy. Uh, by the way, I think let's see what's next on the list. Uh, there's this one called Oh Crawberry. Oh, that's gonna be an interesting taste. Oh, that's the one that only exists up in the weird crawl space above the uh, the 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 workout space. It's you got to you got to climb yeah. up inside the the roof tiles for that one. Yeah, 
and there's always this weird loud aerobic music playing in the space for some reason so i guess it's part of the aesthetic but you know yeah yeah well i mean at this point i've just come to associate the music and the flavor together um mm-hmm. let's get one more constitution roll to see whether you are still doing well at what was it called? Ooh. Cone crawl. <laughs> the cone gauntlet or the cone, cone crawl? Gauntlet, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, Maxwell's a four. Oh no. <laughs> uh, let's let's see how how uh, Candy's doing. <laughs> uh, Twelve. Uh, definitely, you know, definitely getting a little bit full, but not as not as ill as uh, as Max, who I think is starting to look a little a little queasy. And also getting probably a bad braid freeze after all the ice cream. Okay, <laughs> Just... okay. Well, you, you, you go have a lie down, go have a rest, let, let that, let that, uh, pa- pass by for a bit. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and if you need help taking care of the, uh, well, overly defensive <laughs> construct you've made, uh, let me know and I can see if we can uh, troubleshoot it together, okay? Uh, appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I'll catch you later, Cammy. Hell, see you later uh, on. Catch you later. Um. So Max, while cradling their head, makes their way back to their quarters. Uh. Upon opening the door, uh, there's sort of two general details about their personal quarters. I'll make number one is that the majority of the room is just kind of a mess. There's just like clothes strewn about. Things are not really well ordered and everything else, with the exception of a what is effectively a little hydroponic uh, flower garden in one corner of the room, which has a variety of little lilies and other flowers kind of growing in there. And it's the the only space in the room that is being uh, well-kept. Uh, as Max makes their way to their, their bed to just sort of sprawl out and try to sleep off the uh, throbbing headache they're dealing with. Mm. And as you go to sleep... We're going to need to describe, I suppose this is like a mental landscape. This is the first time we've described this on air. What what happens when you go to sleep? And is this a, does this always happen when you go to sleep? Or is this just today this is happening? I would say that every time Max goes to sleep as of, well, however long ago they've been in contact with Formith, um, they basically find themselves just sort of in what could be best described as sort of like an ethereal, uh, I would say it was like a meeting room or just like some sort of just room with like chairs and other things around. They can kind of see themselves in the space dressed as, uh, as if they're out on mission. And then they also can see other figures kind of a, in a sort of like an etheric ghostly sort of apparition within the space i believe currently there's two others in the space with max if i'm not mistaken at the moment this this is your ghostly conference room Mm -hmm. in your brain you you you're lucid dreaming a conference room right (laughs) um and in there i would assume would be a flump uh evan and the other figure would be um a minotaur whose act- whose name is Noah, the last entity that uh, Max decrypted on. Unless you want to have a different direction for that. No, I, I I think this works. Uh, if if so, we've got the the flump and the uh, the minotaur uh, currently in here, um, and this is a space that you use for training, 
with your formeth forms. Is this mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I, I almost like to think if it has kind of the same aesthetic as well, uh, like the end of time in Chrono Trigger. That sort of kind of weird displaced aesthetic there. Um, and at the same time, and I swear for anyone listening, this stuff that I had been planning on before even like read up or even looked into Fire Emblem Engage. Okay, so <laughs> so the idea of like a disconnected training realm, we are working with these aspirations of older heroes entrapped in uh, items. Like this is the idea I've had long ago before even that happened. So, but yeah, I would say that the way I would describe it is that in this initial room that Max finds themselves in are any forms that they have immediate access to for decrypting from Formith. Um, and, you know, and as, uh, Max kind of shows up in this space, they look around and particularly glance over at the Minotaur who Jenny noted was expressing fear when they were decrypted on mission. Yeah. I don't know if Max has anything to say at the moment, but it's just sort of a little curious before, I guess the best way to describe it is when it comes to the training, is there an indication to Max perhaps that someone else wants to meet them effectively? Yeah, I I think the way that this works is that usually this room is just the, the forms that you have decrypted in the past are there and they are present and you can interact with them and they never really make an effort to be the first to start interacting, but if you if you start a conversation or, or try and start something with them, they'll start. Occasionally you notice a presence more than seeing something. Um, you can feel that there is something pressing up against reality in the space. And that is usually your cue that another one of these forms is ready. Well... Upon sensing that, Max will move towards where the se- where that pressing that presence is coming from to see. Um, they move quietly, mostly because you know there's still a little bit of nursing the headache kind of energy going on, but also it's just sort of they've been in thought for a while about what's been going on and don't know quite how to broach the topic with those that are already here. So effectively. Max is going to go on and try to decrypt new forms within Formith. Okay. Um, do you have any thoughts about visually what it looks like when you decrypt a new form? I would like to think that um, it's sort of like a like there's almost like a door that is just open on one side of the room. Max passes through the threshold, and then all of a sudden, it's like. Metal Gear Solid VR training sort of aesthetic (laughs) where the layout of the room just kind of depends on who happens to be there. Um, And with stepping in, they can see like someone in the room, someone in the room kind of in a loose, not quite uh, fully uh, tangible form, but a suggestion that someone is there for them to try to reach out and decrypt. Uh, so the first one that you start trying to decrypt starts solidifying and taking shape and form and appears as this uh, almost like a snake, but with a very humanoid uh, upper region, uh, very strong and muscular. 
uh, the shape of a Yuan T begins to form with a almost cobra-like frill to the top of their uh, body, sort of where the shoulders meet the head. Uh, and it takes a few seconds, but they start to solidify a little. Uh, and you are now face to face with a Yuan T. <laughs> Will you please tell me what your name is? Oh, of, of, of course. Uh, my name is is uh, Alma, Alma Tiran. All right, Alma. My name is Max, and I'm here to help decrypt you and draw you out from Formith. Oh, oh, I, I, I suppose yes, yes. Suppose that's that is what 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 we're doing. I suppose yes. Yeah. So the general idea that I have is that for each form that Max is trying to decrypt, it requires effectively proving that they are uh, uh, competent, strong or otherwise able to draw that individual out from the void that is yeah. for myth itself. So it's almost like it's almost like various things where it's like. It's not trying to fight this apparition, fight this uh, decryption until Max kills them, but it's just sort of a, a testing of their capabilities. Um, yeah. So I would. Uh, it, so the, the aesthetics of the exchange with Alma, uh, I have. Uh, I have a couple of ideas of how this would play out visually, unless you want a role to be involved with this. Ah, if if you wanna if you wanna talk through some ideas, I will. I'll I'll, I'll throw you a role that seems appropriate for what you want to go for. I think the. Uh, I think the main thing with, uh, with Alma's sort of gimmick is that their weapon that they wield out is a pair of shields. So instead of having like a sword and board, it's just two shields and in efforts to attack them uh, directly in melee, uh, there is effectively uh, the a veil of ice forming across the shields as uh, the spell Armor of Agathis activates around Alma and Max's efforts to attack head-on directly are met with just ice damage being flung back at them, forcing them to retreat away and resort to range and evasion tactics in order to avoid taking on too much uh, yeah. pain from the exchange. I, I think, g give me, let's flavor this as sleight of hand, if you're trying to, at a mm. distance, be sort of accurate and, and precise with uh, your getting around these shields. Mm, that's only an eight on the roll there. Okay, I think with an eight, um, you are not necessarily making progress at like dealing damage uh, to to this uh, target, but you have at least demonstrated that you've backed off and not tried to confront head on, um, which I I think is like you haven't failed this situation, but you also are going to need to do something else to sort of get this over the edge. I think the I think the idea here is that Max will tap the uh the hexing function of Formith on Alma as a target and then once they're positioned a certain way 
uh, exploit one of their eldritch invocations called Relentless Hex, which basically means that as a bonus action, they can teleport 30 feet to an unoccupied space um, within five feet of the target. So effectively, instead of trying to attack Alma head on where the shields are, trying to teleport behind them to get a strike from an exposed point. Wonderful. I don't think I need a roll out of you for this. I think that that is enough to demonstrate you have you have found a way around these defenses, and this is enough for you to decrypt this form. As once once it happens, there's almost like a scattering of like it's almost like little voxel elements from where Alma was that float around in the sky and then float flow into the conference room where Max just was to reform. Um, but I have a feeling that once that happens, uh, there's the sense that Max is not quite done yet here. Yep, there is still there is still the sense that there is one more presence ready to come through. Uh, I have a really fun way to open this up with for you. <laughs> okay. Max is sort of standing there trying to sense where the form is, uh, where the uh, the target is, and then like the f- the fur on the back of their neck bristles up. They turn around and try to s- try to swing at an entity. <laughs> However, when doing so, there's just an eruption of flames that knocks them back. Um, as the next form makes its presence known. Yes. So. As this happens, you notice uh, swimming as if in water, but in the air, uh, in in this space, uh, the form of a merfolk start to take form. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sort of very, uh, very armoured for a merfolk. Uh, A lot more sort of battle-ready than you are perhaps used to seeing a lot of merfolk. Mm -hmm. Max is like, wait, uh, those flames, I recognize it. Uh, Who are you? Ah, Name's Shardine. I see. Well. Okay. So that's a nice little trick you got there. Is that going to happen every time I try to hit you? I don't know. Try and hit me. Find out. Go on. How bad could it be? Uh, Max will uh, take the bait and try to hit uh, Shardine. Oh, yeah. No, it it happens again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to drop a picture for those in chat to uh, to show what this <laughs> show a depiction of, of <laughs> this character in play. So at this point, Max is kind of in another sort of uh, barrier here. In, in this case, the the tricky bit is of dealing with the fact that now they have to contend with a ranged counterattack as Hellish Rebuke just triggers off every time Max tries to make an attack. Um, so now let me double check one thing real quick here. Yeah. Uh, so yes, to d- to describe the uh, the 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 merfolk in a little more detail as you're setting up there, imagine sort of almost samurai esque armor, but this merfolk is wearing a mask that looks basically like the chin of a Gundam. <laughs> is the best way I can describe the uh, 
the armored look. It's sam samurai armor, dung it like snappy uh, sort of like fancy dress trousers and uh, suspenders, and a the bottom half of a Gundam face for a mask. Yeah, I I would almost picture the encounter just being Shardine uh, just approaching Max slowly, the space kind of shifting to become a larger and larger field before. Uh, Max finally, I think, realizes the way to counter this ability, which is very simple. Uh, they just go farther away and attack from the long range, though the outer range of their pistol, which is less accurate. But when the attacks land, it doesn't it can't trigger the uh, the counter attack from Shar. Wonderful. I, I think again that is uh, that is a solid enough idea that I'm not going to make you roll for that. I am going to let you just uh, uh, as as this uh, this occurs, uh, the the light starts sort of reforming into the conference room, and uh, it seems like you have uh, decrypted another of Formith's forms. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Max has successfully avoided Char's counterattack and then proceeds to go back to the. Uh, back to the main hub room where everyone is located. Boo. Boo. Boo this man. <laughs> I will Why are you booing? It's Char's counterattack, the movie. Come on. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll I mean, look, none of none of you have yet picked up on Shardine. <laughs> I, did, I mean, I'm just, I'm letting you have your scene. I'm not trying to do mystery science theater on your downtime. <laughs> this, is, this is completely outside of my realm of knowledge. Okay, so Max, uh, once seeing the others there, goes over to the Minotaur, uh, Noah, and looks up to her before asking one of the one of the folks back on planet mentioned that you were giving off the energy of being afraid. Well, I I I, I don't I don't feel like I feel afraid. I'm just wondering what that could be all about then. I I I am I'm here. Sometimes I'm other places. And before I was here, I I I remember I remember what I was and and I remember wielding Formith and now there is a bit of a gap and now I'm here and that is just what it is. I guess what I can do for the time being is do what I can to help decrypt as many of you as I can. Hopefully that tells you something. Um, I wish I had more answers for you than I was out in the world and then I was here. I, I, I mean, as uh, if you've got any questions, I, I can. It all gets a bit fuzzy once I'm here, but I can answer anything from a lot of before. Was this, well, was this as, uh, was this similar? Uh, and Max kind of gestures to the room. When you had Formith, was this all kind of the same for you too? I never thought much of what was going on in here. Um, I don't know if I ever told you why I I took took the weapon. I was I was just trying to impress a girl. I wanted I wanted to be better at at, at logging, and 
the thing told me that I'd, I'd, I'd be cool and powerful, and I wasn't so sure about that. And then there was... Uh, some people were going to pave over the forest, and he told me I was chosen, and I, I assumed that's what it chose me for, and it gave me the strength I needed to fight them off and to to protect to protect the forest and there were definitely there were definitely forms and it wanted me to believe I had it for a purpose yeah I could say that's pretty much the same for me like the sense that there's something that I could be or should be doing that sort of maybe for some greater good or just some larger goal, but I just don't know what it is. So. Um, uh, Evangelion from the, the other side of the room will, in a very rare move, chime in without having been directly asked a question. Evan's great. Love him. <laughs> I I took it as a as a, a self defense. It was it was a last resort. I'm I was never a a fighter, but there were a lot of there were a lot of us that were in danger, and it promised me that I lacked fighting skill. I lacked the will to fight, but it promised me it could compensate. It promised it could be the strength and the the will that I didn't have, but that I needed. I don't think it ever told me I was having it for a purpose or that I was chosen. It just it it told me that it could hmm. be what I needed it to be. Well, this whole thing is a bit of a mystery for two, I guess, but for the time being, it's giving me more ability to, well, uh, the fight and to maybe protect those that I care about. But in the meantime, I guess I just need to keep on practicing and understand more about Formith and all of you to do my best with it. Uh, I think as you're saying that, uh, as is often the way when you're in here, without you even noticing, it's faded away before you realize and you are starting to wake up again. Mm. What if this dream space has nothing to do with four myth and it's just because you ate too much ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that, that would... That would uh, that that could track potentially there. I'm just I I'm just happy to get the boo from the audience there, Austin. I, I that 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 warms me uh, in, a, in a particular way. <laughs> this is my fan. This is my fan theory. I'm going to be very insistent about is that all of the heroes yeah. that you're psychically connected all ate too much ice cream at some point during their life, and mm -hmm. that's as connected you all across the ages. Is is this much much like the beholders we mentioned earlier could bring things into reality by dreaming them real good? <laughs> if you just have enough ice cream, you start dreaming oh, new format oh forms into the, existence. The ice cream was beholders all along. I, I, <laughs> I will uh, 
Beholder. Don't ruin the season, Austin. Beholder Robbins. Got it. You know, um, <laughs> the uh, I will say, like, if I wanted to be really tried a bit, like, and over at the hydroponic flower bed, two different, fl- two new flowers are there for no reason. Two different flowers than what's there before. Ooh. I don't know if we should, I don't know if we got to go that route, though, but. Um, well, wow. we, we can we can discuss that. I, I suppose we can we can we can work that out another time. I've got, <laughs> got a dream question for you folks. Was this just me, or did anyone else experience it? For about sixteen straight years, if I ever realized I was in a dream and it admitted it out loud in the dream, every other I'm going to refer to them as NPCs in this scenario because it's the easiest way to explain it uh, would immediately turn on me and try to eat me alive until I woke up. <laughs> Sounds like you had too much ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, like the ice cream was getting revenge on you in it, there. It, it they was don't, constant. They don't, they don't. They don't appreciate self awareness. Yeah, I don't. Well, I I was a bad lucid dreamer. I had no a really like I couldn't fly. I could just kind of glide, or I would sort of tread water in the air. You you had limited control, but your awareness locked you into the bad path. Well, it caused it. It's specifically yeah. acknowledging it made my brain attack me, and I don't know what that says about me. I I feel like that's your brain going. You're no, no. This is not conscious time. Stop it. Well, that, in in response, I would have to start like throwing myself off of high areas in my dreams to shock myself out of it. It was very strange. I had a weird childhood. The, the the way I would describe it is that your brain's just like, whoa, 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 listen, listen, I just made this dream for you. You're just going to throw back at me and realize that it's a dream? Uh-uh, no dessert for you. <laughs> why, why was it always cannibalism, though? <laughs> I mean, what else is the brain going to eat? That's true. <laughs> so you all get your various activities uh, done with your time off, and uh, it, it's not too long before you get called up to... Uh, up up to the deck to speak with Captain Slack Demille. You've you've all been called up. There is a there is another mission ready to go. You've received the alert. Hey Cap Cap, I love you. Sorry, I know I, I promised I would stop saying that. How are you? Hey, 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 love love you too. How are you? I'm better now. I, is that is that the standard greeting on this ship? Hello, I love you. <laughs> no, it's, it's at the very least the standard between the captain and Wendy. Wendy is going through elder brain withdrawals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, th- I think the captain's like understands and is just like, yeah, don't worry. I it gets like this. It's all good. It's like calling the kindergarten teacher mom. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, I also love that Wendy has has the tick of like repeating the person's name shortened, but because Buford's name is Buford, she had to go with Gub Gub. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are more challenging to do this than with than others. And Ma- I, th- I think Max is just Max Max or what? Uh, yeah, that- I think he did Max Max or Maxi Max. Maxi Max is yeah, either one is good. That's all that's all good yeah. for the for them. Uh so yeah, so as you all get up to the the, the bridge, uh the captain sort of turns around in the in the tank towards you and goes, uh So uh Oh, I've got another, uh, I've got another mission for you. Um, this one is, well, I don't know how, how relevant it is to our little crew here, but here's what, what how I see it. Uh, for the time being, it is important that we get on well with, uh, everyone around us in this area of space and that we, uh, catch, get some goodwill going 
and some alloys around it. It seems like that would be beneficial. Um, we're getting a distress signal from a uh, from a space station. Um, all right, Cap Cap, I'll shoot it down. Here we go. No, no, no. Well, the, the last so, thing we thought was a distress signal. Uh, that space station blew up. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I, look. Use your discretion. Maybe that's what I would. Li- I would like it if you went and checked first. Ideally, that would be ideal. Um, there is an automated message playing on loop that is stating that the uh, the station is a science vessel, and that if the message is playing, it means the crew have been incapacitated and to approach with caution. Um, I mean, the fact that they have given us the heads up, be cautious as you approach, is uh. You know, not not usually the kind of thing you do if you're trying to lure someone into a trap, in my experience. You know, you don't say, be on your guard, be ready. You go, oh, we're all defenseless, uh, come come save us, all helpless types. Uh, Unless that's what they want you to think. I mean, look, it could be a double bluff, I'm, I'm not a scientist here, but... Uh, <laughs> I Look, if nothing else, I feel like you might be interested, because it's... It, I've not told you where this thing is. It's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a view out the window. This uh space station is situated just outside the gravitational area of a uh, of a black hole. Hmm. It is uh it is it is quite quite the sight, I imagine. <laughs> we get there and look out the window and it's just black. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, stuff... There's going to be a section that's just black, but around it there's going to be stuff circling that isn't yet, you know, in the infinite black void of nothing. You know, you see, you see, you see the nothing by, by reference to the fact there's stuff around the nothing. They just got the first photos of a black hole, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like a weird red donut, if you haven't seen these uh, pictures. It actually looks like something. Yeah. The, the the deal with black holes, as I understand it from having done some research, is that while you cannot see the black hole, like stuff that isn't quite yet inside the black hole but is like heading that way, that's still visible stuff. Mm-hmm. And it it's just, hey, here's a bunch of stuff and then there's nothing. Just right a very weird abstract nothing in there. Which is, you know, that you can see that you can't see anything. By reference. Someone call Barry. We've got an exploratory mission for him. <laughs> if if we were able to get... Look, if we were in a position where we could go back to Seoul and get Walker if we needed them, sure. Sounds like a laugh. See, uh, see I, I have a theory. Barry is the densest person I have ever met. <laughs> he might be look, a mute. Like, <laughs> look, you, you, look, you may be right, and if... And when we uh, arrange a way to get back to Seoul so we can recrew the ship if needed, sure, we'll test it out. Great idea. For now, I am not throwing any crew members, even Barry, into a black hole unnecessarily. I really do need as many crew as I can have just for now. You know, I saw Barry walk through a detect thoughts checkpoint once. Nothing. Didn't even let it. <laughs> I mean, look, that, that that does not surprise me, but again, he is an additional... Look, look, Frankly, let, I'm starting to get concerned. That, look, let's say there is a mission coming up, like, you know, a, a week or two from now, in which, you know, heaven forbid we need to make a sacrifice of someone, we throw someone out the airlock to distract an enemy or something. 
we don't want to not have Barry around, should we need to. B- Buford, Buford gets struck by a moment of inspiration, and he just walks over to the wall and like takes out a, a Sharpie and starts like making schematics. And he, he's labeled it a psionic weapon B1, and he's going to try to weaponize Barry's brain uh, into a targeted attack against other telepathic uh, beings. Ah, uh, it's the Boltzmann brain uh, gambit. Got it. But it's the Barry's brain gambit. Look, I love the idea. You've got a mission to go on now, but like, write it down somewhere and try and remember that for next time you've got some downtime, I suppose. Yeah, it's on the wall right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Look, I've not got much else to give you. There's a distress signal. They're warning you to be cautious. So the space station's at the edge of a black hole and it's gone quiet. So I imagine, I mean, they probably just got sucked too hard, right? Well, generally you get quite loud when that happens. I do I do not think this is a case of suck. I do not think this is a case of suck too hard. I think uh, if, if, if they've been sucked too hard, uh, you would they would be gone. There is no surviving getting sucked too hard. Says you. <laughs> Oh, oh, trust me, I know these things. Oh, I know. 